We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning $3 million in Best Ball Mania. That's what we're going to do today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work over at Rotoviz. Sean, we're going to jump into Underdog. Our last couple of shows, we've talked through some early draft strategies. I've been doing some slow drafts. And you and I, we just were talking because we took a little hiatus this spring. We haven't even drafted a team together this year. It's June. I'm really excited. This should be so much fun. We did those couple of shows, one kind of looking at overall strategy and then some tactics, especially within the first 10 rounds. And then we got to do our big running back dead zone show in the last episode. I feel like we're we're ready to go. And you've done some drafts. I've done some drafts. It's been a lot of fun drafting with our good friend Peter Overzet on the best ball banana stand. Those drafts men are very challenging because the rooms end up with a lot of badges most of the time. And if not, then they tend to end up with people from Pete's discord. And so either way, that's going to offer you a pretty significant challenge. Plus when you're talking about your picks, that sets up other people to snipe you. You and I are going to obviously be recording as we draft, but no one else will know what we're doing here. So we have a little bit more flexibility to chat through We'll see whether or not that allows us to pick a better team. But as you mentioned, this is going to be so much fun. Best Ball Mania 4, $3 million to first. And I mean, it's June. This is like the best thing that you can be doing. So Yeah, and I'm so excited because, I mean, I I was just telling you before the show, this is my um, kids last week of school this week busy around the Gretsch household. They're at two different schools this year. I think we've talked about it a little bit on the show, but it's been a busier year getting used to having events at two different schools as opposed to when they were at the same school, you know, it's not just drop off and pick up times, but it's, you know, the, the after school events and stuff, you start to realize there's a lot of stuff. We were at a band concert last night for my older daughter. She got a little solo. It was a great time. Um, and she did awesome, but it's this, you know, busy time of year. And where I was going with this is I have not been consuming a lot of other content. I've definitely listened to your show with Pete a few times and loved it, but I haven't gotten to listen to it as much as I wanted to. And so like you and I, not only we're not drafted together, we've talked about a lot of stuff, but I'm usually very in tune with guys you like and guys you don't like, because we've recorded a lot of stuff. 
Instead, I've heard a little bit through the grapevine from other people because people are always whispering about who Sean Siegel likes this year. And it's aligned a lot with the stuff that I've already been on kind of organically. I, I, I mean, no real surprise. Our processes are very similar. I think listeners are aware of that. But I'm excited. And I think, you know, in our discussions these last couple episodes, we're very aligned this year. And I think um, the way that the, the, the last year played out, 2022 was a very unique season and how it played out. I think it's pushed people towards where they want to be. And I think most strategies are very doable because there's no like clear overarching trend in the ADP. I don't think, I mean, clearly on underdog wide receivers have gotten a lot more expensive, but stuff like QB is getting more expensive is a certain, you know, subset of people are, are very attracted to that. You and I have been less, you know, a little more wary. We're willing to take early QBs, but a little more wary of that. And I, I just think it, it has created a 2023 drafting landscape where you can be more aligned with what you actually want to do. You're not sort of like forced certain directions. And so I found not just in hearing our thoughts being aligned, but with a lot of the other people that I think I think similarly to, as I've talked to them, they're approaching 2023 similarly, which makes it a fun year, right? It makes it like an exciting year for drafting where you can kind of do what you want to do. And you're not, I mean, like Leone is a good example. Our, our buddy, Mike Leone, some years he and I joke that we feel like we're like 90% aligned, but the 10% is where we spend a lot of time bickering because that's, we have to, but this year it's been so much easier. The ADP sort of allows us to be more in that 90% space with our discussions where we can just be very aligned when, when we're chatting. So I'm really excited to draft with you. What I'm most excited for is those little moments and we haven't fired up the draft yet. It's going to be quick. It's going to fire off. We don't know what our draft pick's going to be because when you start on underdog, obviously the draft starts and you go and you got 30 second timers. And so we wanted to do a little discussion before, but once we get going, it's going to be fun to see, those little moments where it's, you know, this is the direction we could go for this build. This is the direction we go for another build and kind of see how we both want to go. We both have some reps under our belt, certainly drafting a couple dozen teams each at least. I'm sure you've done more. I've, I've done a few dozen teams now myself. And, and so it, it's going to be really fun to see those little decision points throughout drafts and, and you know, as aligned as we we are on players, on builds and all of that. I, I, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of geeking out. I'm, this is going to be a blast. It'll be a lot of fun. And... I think these drafts are extremely important. Number one, so that you know that you're doing a good job for listeners and subscribers with your overall content and rankings. You have to participate if you want to put out good content. But then number two, the draft is a great opportunity to get in there and see if what you've been discussing and what you've been working on and what you've been writing about is working for you in the actual tournament that you're trying to win. So we're going to get in there, we're going to draft some of our thoughts, we'll have a little bit of reaction afterward to see if it went the way that we thought it would. And then, Ben, one of the things that I always really enjoy from these drafts is afterwards, I'm then very fired up to write because there are a lot of different little ideas that are sparked during the draft. So that part of it, I think, will be really cool as well. What do you think? Ready to get this going? Let's fire it up. We are ready to go. If you are not uh, on YouTube, now's a good time to, to mention that you can follow along with the actual draft board, uh, the video version of it on the Rotoviz Radio YouTube channel. Definitely make sure to subscribe when you go over there. But yeah, you can watch our, our beautiful faces in the tiny little corner, but also our queue and all of those things as we discuss some of these things that we won't be able to get for the listeners. We'll try to get everything uh, that we can out there the listeners, one of the really hard things is making sure that we're kind of mentioning who was on the board when we made certain discussions. It kind of 
you don't you, you don't have a lot of time so you wind up talking about like a couple options but yeah that's why I, I say if you go over to youtube go to the road of his radio channel you'll be able to follow along sean has jo- dropped us into a draft it is i think like 10 people filled it should you know all the way fill up here in a moment and we'll know what our draft slot will be so then two people left what slot in an ideal world would you have us get today really anything other than like the seven and eight spot I, and and six if the top five go sort of as a top four receivers and, and well i mean i don't mind taking kelsey at six so six is kind of a fun spot but once you get past six i think seven eight nine there's not i'd rather just be at like 11 and 12 i think there's some really fun builds you can do at the very back of the draft and then obviously i mean yeah i mean if i could have my preference it would be top two and we can get jefferson or jamar chase because those guys are a really good football they are they are and they project extremely well in the win the flex tool along with obviously probably getting a little boost on top of that that if you're not looking at who those guys are just top wide receivers you might not be fully factoring in although we know that justin jefferson's season from last year cooper cup's season from two years ago is going to be impacting how the tool is seeing those top wide receiver seasons <laughs> i called it we get the 107 john 107. right exactly where i you asked what I wanted, and I, I started with what I didn't want. It's that pessimism that got us, Sean. If I would have said what I actually wanted first, we probably would have landed somewhere better. I still like this. I like being in the middle. I think there are a lot of things that we can do and a lot of values that we can grab. It'll be interesting to see how drafters play the beginning. It'll be interesting to see if everyone is so completely kind of fading we... or not worried about that Tyreek Hill incident. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Tyreek could slide. That sounds like not a, a massive thing, but it's not entirely. I mean, the the deal with the Tyreek Hill, Hill thing for anyone who hasn't heard, it sounds like he maybe pushed or hit a worker on a on a boat of something like a like a I think so, like a chartered fishing boat or something. Uh, the initial reports were that that person wasn't going to press charges. That has apparently been a little bit in dispute. It doesn't sound like it was a super physical thing. It's also one of those things where. NFL precedent sort of dictates that if there was a suspension, that probably wouldn't happen for the 2023 season. It's just sort of the reality of the order of operations of things. It would be a really quick one compared to like, say Alvin Kamara, what happened with him last off season. It's probably not a major 2023 fantasy draft implication, but um, you know, some, something to think about there could be a discussion here, Sean. I, I know you're you're pretty high on Travis Kelsey. Had someone asked me about this that your ranking on Kelsey is pretty high. I think maybe third overall or something in in your underdog rankings. If he goes and the top four receivers and Hill does go third and McCaffrey, so the top four receivers go one, two, three, four. Hill and Cup go three and four. If we get McCaffrey and Kelsey here, we have a discussion at seven, and I can go a lot of different ways there. I've I've typically been going with one of the running backs. And I think I've typically been going Bijan. And it looks like actually Diggs goes six. So we can go Kelsey. We can. I like him a lot more if we think that we'll be able to get Patrick Mahomes. I really like the running backs here. I like both Bijan and Austin Eckler. I think they allow you to do a lot of different things. I don't have a lot of Bijan. Is he someone you have any interest in? I do have interest, but I don't mind doing the Kelsey build either. I think if you have Kelsey ranked higher, you, you want to go Bijan today? All right, we'll go Bijan. For me right now, I think one of the things that we're really looking to find out is just where those quarterbacks end up. One of the things that I did last night, Ben, was set up a really cool Sam Howell build by getting Debo Samuel and Jahan Dotson early, and then Trevor Lawrence fell 
way, 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 way below ADP. And so I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and take this. I'm going to try and set it up there with Zay Jones or Evan Ingram because if Lawrence is going to fall this far, if I take him, then it's going to push people off those other guys at least a little bit. I'll have a shot at them, and I'll still have a chance to put that couple QB late element in. But C.D. Lamb had been my pick in the first round. And then Dak Prescott also falls well below ADP. The Jaguars receivers were taken at or above ADP. And so I end up with a Trevor Lawrence share that, I mean, it's at a good value, but doesn't really make sense. And is it going to be a good value in two months? I mean, it may just be a player that I took at a great value today that breaks that team and also doesn't really help me. How does that factor into what you're looking to do with elite QB right now versus what you might be willing to do with it later? I have not been taking many elite QBs, which is why I was sort of open to the Kelsey thing. I mean, I think it's funny. It sounds like you haven't taken as much Bijan. I've done a lot of the builds like you just described, where I've taken some San Fran and Washington players and built some Howell stacks and had some Bijan early. So it's kind of our own exposures that we're driving where we wanted to go there in the first round. I have not taken a Kelsey Mahomes stack. I don't think I've drafted Mahomes. So that would have been, you know, a, a unique thing for me, an interesting path to take. I, I'm very comfortable with the path we are taking. We're almost on the clock here. So before I really get into the quarterback stuff, we the guy behind us took Kelsey and took Mahomes in the second round. The wide receivers have gone pretty fast and heavy. Jalen Waddle went 202, but Alave makes it back to us. I really like Alave once we're here. And there's the only receivers behind him are T. Higgins and Devonta Smith. Um, you have him at the top of the queue. I'm assuming you like him as well. I do. He's the player by ADP. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Smith or Higgins end up being higher scorers. They're in better offenses. They're still more proven. We got these elite numbers from Olave on a per route perspective last year. I guess I'm still a little bit skeptical that he can do the types of things that you really want from a round two pick where he explodes and more or less I say win the league for you from round two. But I mean, you want those round two guys to score a lot of points to have that in the range of outcomes. They've got Derek Carr now as the QB. I don't know that he fits as well for some of the things that drafters might want to do in terms of building some correlation in there. And so I think that there are at least things to consider, but he was really more or less a no brainer for us in this particular draft at that particular pick. Yeah. I mean, it's, he falls in an interesting spot because I agree with everything you said, and I've written about it a little bit uh, at the Substack and talked about it even dating back to last year, the, the Garrett Wilson, Olave comparison has been one that people have made a lot of. There was a, sort of a prairie yards element to some of Olave's heavy volume last year, but he was also very efficient. He's very good. He looks like a clear hit, but I like the way you framed it in terms of when you're drafting him in the middle of the second round, he's got to be able to have like top five upside, or that's at least the way that I think about a wide receiver that I'm drafting that high. At the same time, where he falls is a very interesting range. Although, Sean, it looks like Devonta Adams actually went after him. We're, we got your ranks loaded in here, it looks like, and, and you're pretty low on Devonta Adams this year. I did not realize Adams was still on the board. Yeah, so that's something to mention. I was trying to figure it out because these actually look like the previous iteration of the rankings, even though I loaded in the new ones last night for a draft. So I'll have to check out exactly what's happening there. But yes, there is a version of my rankings in the draft here. I'm not very high on Adams. Would he have been the clear pick for you? 
I don't know if clear is the right word, but I do think just based on ADP and everything, I probably would have leaned that way. He typically goes at the one-two turn, and, and so there's a little slide there. He ends up going even later in the second. We're almost back up here in the third. Sean, the guy you have at the top of the queue right now is Brees Hall. When he falls to 307, which is where he would be falling here if we get an opportunity to take him, we were one pick away. I think he's an absolute smash, and I have gotten a lot of him. He does fall. DK Metcalf goes ahead of him. Debo Samuel, Josh Allen working back where the pick's ahead of him. We're going to be running back, running back, but I I, I think with Bijan and Brees Hall, you're talking about potentially the next wave of superstars. So we're going to go ahead and click that, not waste any more time. That one I think is really exciting. In my rankings, I do have him as the 205. <laughs> And so you get him in the middle of round three. Now, obviously, we could have taken him last round, but when you know what the price is going to be, you're going to not try and get 100% exposure. You're going to try and get better prices like we just did there. But I've mentioned at a couple different places, you know, trying to build a little sort of long term enthusiasm for it, Ben. Maybe it's just because it's my favorite show. We like to do the show looking forward to ADP the following year. And even within the context, of these wide receiver avalanches, I don't think it's impossible that when you talk Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, that they are the 101 and 102 in 2024. We have them on the same team. Obviously, we're going to have a little pressure on us at the wide receiver position, but I mean, that's a pretty exciting start. I think uh, not only is that not possible, I, I think I would argue the odds on favorite is that an RB will be 101 in 2024 because people just want that. Right. And so like this year, there the issue is there's no running back that you can elevate that high. But there there are so many running backs that are in. And those are two of the best examples that are in this range where if they have a great season, show great health, they'll be right back in the top 10 next year. And, you know, top three is really the way to put it. I, I, I think we will wind up with and those are the two. I mean, it'll be fun to do that show. We love doing that show. Uh, usually every August, the 20 it'll be the, our look at the 2024 first round. But Sean, yeah, I think Bijan Brees Hall in the top five, that's a little teaser. I think we're both going to be in on that take. We're heading back towards the fourth round. We have two running backs now, Bijan and Brees. Chris Olave is our only receiver. We both really like him, but maybe don't think he has like true elite anchor your wide receiver build, elite number one type uh, upside or Shouldn't say that because I think we probably would both argue that he does. It's just the, the probability of him turning in that season may be less likely than just him turning in a really strong like wide receiver five season, which still makes him a viable pick in that range, I think. Um, having said that, we're definitely targeting receivers here as we approach our fourth pick. You have the queue loaded up with some interesting options. I like all of them. Jerry, Judy, DeAndre Hopkins at the top. They're also the top of, by ADP. And I'm, I'm comfortable with both. I mean, you've talked uh, me into Judy a lot over the last year. I wasn't as into him last year. His targets per out run took another step forward this past year. He just looks like a guy who's been on an upward trajectory every year of his career. And even in a bad situation, drew good volume and was efficient after the volume. And when you think about even going back to the rookie season when his air yards profile was up toward the top of the NFL. You look back to what he was doing both sort of overall and on a per route basis when he's sharing the field at Alabama with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, two players who you know, go in that second round 
right now. I mean, really what he's looking for is a healthy stretch and decent quarterback play. With a strong finish last year, I I just think this is the blow-up shot. And because of wide receiver ADP in 2023, you don't actually have that many chances to put together teams with a lot of upside for the pick. I mean, you're drafting some upside, but most of it's priced in based on kind of where you are with the draft. Now, a little bit of that is just if you're going to have the running back values fall and balance it out, you can still do some of those kinds of things. But I like that selection there. Ben, one of the things that you and I have talked about a decent amount is this idea of reaching for one or the other. And right now it looks like Keenan Allen is the guy that you really need to reach for. He has risen a lot. We've been drafting him early, talking about him on the shows, that type of thing. If you put those two guys together in rounds three and four, I think that that's pretty fun. The other question that I had there, and it looked like there was a possibility that he could come back by ADP, but he goes actually just a few picks later was Chris Godwin. One of the issues that I have with this Olave selection, and and I talk all the time about how don't overemphasize the tournament to the point where you build bad teams, but the Saints face the Giants, the Rams, and the Bucks during that playoff stretch. That's not particularly exciting. You're not really thinking that those games are going to shoot out, but with Godwin as someone that we think is undervalued, he would have been a potential reach at that point to kind of go it's with funny. Olave. And yet I'm, I'm just getting so much of him to reach by that much when he might have come yeah. back. It's funny how hard. much ADP has shifted because I, I got a lot of 104s, 105s, 106s when I entered all these slows a couple of weeks ago. And I got a lot of Olave in the second round. And I got a lot of Olave with Godwin in the fifth. You can't get Godwin in the fifth anymore. And then we were talking about the Keenan Allen Judy thing. I reached to do that a couple times at the three four turn, and I've talked about that on the show a little bit. And now it's like you almost can't do it at the three four turn. It's going to be a popular thing at the three four turn now. In the, when I was first talking about this, it was you know both those guys were at ADPs in the middle of the fourth. We are back on the clock, Sean. This is a uh, uh, we're flying through this draft. It looks like JSN is top of our queue here. You also have Dobbins. I, I, I mean, I would be fine with taking Dobbins in the fifth, but. I don't really love it when we already have the two running backs. I think we do need to get another receiver here. JSN at 55, a little ahead of ADP, but he's a guy that we're both really in on. He he really easily fits the thing that we've talked about on the show a lot of the last couple of years where he's being held down, not by his profile, but by what people can see in a projection. There's been so much emphasis put on, the the um, Seahawks past use of two tight end sets at a high rate and a, like a, a Pete Carroll quote, which nothing Pete Carroll's ever said has ever been believable in his entire head coaching tenure. But he made one little comment where he was like, yeah, we still want to use two tight end sets. You, he's never been reliable for anything he's ever said on a usage standpoint. Like literally go back and look. He just said out of stuff out of his out of his excuse my language. Gonna have to bleep that one out. Thank you to our editor, Colin Kelly. But the fact that the fantasy industry is so interested in this one little Pete Carroll quote in the middle of like May, where he talked about how they still want to use two tight end sets even after they had drafted JSN, despite the fact that their coordinator came over from the Rams last year, where the Rams had used a ton of 11 personnel for a lot of years. We wanted to fit Tyler Lockett into a Cooper Cup role in, in Shane Waldron's offense last year, or people did in the community. JSN looks like he's been drafted to fit that role, that slot plus role, the Cooper Cup role in Shane Waldron's LA Rams influenced offense. I mean, it just seems so obvious they're going to run more 11 personnel to me this year. And the idea that they would draft him this high in the first round and not actually use him is just a, a ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous uh, opinion in, in, in my mind. I just think 
and, and even if that does happen to a certain degree, you have to understand there's still a lot of upside scenarios. I'm kind of just going on a little soliloquy here while you prepare our picks in the sixth round. How are you feeling about this pick that we're on the deck for uh, on deck for? Well, one of the options we could have gone with last round would have been Brandon Ayuk. He is a threat here to make it to us. Oh, he goes one pick Ooh, ahead. So we got a, a badge taking him at a 14 pick discount. That's not a huge surprise. Then we have Deontay Johnson, who goes nicely with the JSN selection. I mean, I might lean that direction, but I also like Mike Evans for the a lot I would of take either of those. I have, I have less Deontay. Let's do him. Yeah, so we, we're in a spot here. and We're running low, but we have a, uh, some interesting bringbacks on, on multiple picks. We have the JSN pick that we can bring back with Deontay or even George Pickens, which might be an, an option next round. We have Mike Evans, as you mentioned, as a potential bring back on the Alave selection. We're not going to be able to have that bring back on Alave now, but what are you going to do? You're going to play Alave and hope that he scores and the rest of those games just don't do much of anything, which is actually how I project them. So yeah. that part will, I think, be fine, especially now that we have both sides of the Seattle-Pittsburgh game. It's not that easy to do unless you reach for one of the guys like we did with JSN. But once you reach for JSN, it's really pretty incumbent upon you to go ahead and get one of those Steelers. Yeah, and, and just to finish my my big rant on JSN, it's it like look, you mentioned a, a moment uh, a moment ago when we took the Jerry Judy pick. There's not a lot of opportunities to get good value JSN in the fifth or, or like upside value JSN in the fifth round. I think pretty clearly represents that. I I mean. I was getting a little ahead of myself saying there's almost like no way that they don't increase their 11 personnel usage. Who knows what Seattle will do. I've never been able to predict them particularly well, but I do think that JSN is going to play well when he's on the field. I think that they're going to run even their high rate of two tight end sets last year still leaves them as a primary 11 personnel team. I'm pretty sure. I mean, almost every team in the NFL runs more 11 personnel than anything else. They didn't really have a third receiver last year that was worth getting on the field. They're going to run enough 11 personnel, basically, that Jason's still going to run 50% routes or 60% routes. He wouldn't be the first slot receiver at that rate to still be productive is what I'm saying. I think towards the end of the year, even if he starts at that range, you'll see it increase. And there's an obvious contingent upside as well in any of these situations. This is what I started by saying when you have three guys in an offense being projected really high and we can't project volume for all of them, and that's sort of holding down their ADPs. There's, there's obvious upside as well. If something were to happen to a Lockett or a Metcalf, then things could consolidate for JSN really quickly. There's just so many ways he can pay off at this price, and yet you know, the feel from a projection standpoint is this is still too high. He can't get enough targets, and I see a lot of those comments, and that's great. That that actually makes him a target. That's something we've talked about on the show in the past. That, makes, that tells you there's latent upside from that ADP for him to actually be a good pick as opposed to the people that are crunching the numbers and only crunching the numbers saying he can't get enough targets to make this value, seeing him as a bad pick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I have even some more thoughts on JSN, but we are one pick away here. Now we're on the clock. The Somewhat surprisingly, Mike Evans did make it back around to us. Quentin Johnston is also a very viable play to go with Jerry Judy. I think we, from an ADP standpoint, I prefer Evans at, at such a steep discount. But I, it's so funny that we have, again, our options between two, uh, you know, two viable plays as bringbacks and – in both cases, we wind up taking the veteran, Deontay Johnson and Mike Evans. Not how our builds usually look, Sean. Well, but I think that it shows, at least for me, then ideally you'd get just all peak superstars. But those guys are mostly going in the top couple of rounds, right? And one of the things that these drafts are giving us, at least early, is they're giving you the really wide range of outcomes, guys. And they're giving you the stars with a lot of volume who maybe are a little bit less exciting than they usually are because of the quarterback in the direction. But now you look at this, one of the things too, with these sort of NFC South games, would this game be even better if it were being played in the dome? Yeah. But I mean, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, when we're thinking about exposure to weather in the final week and and games that just should be very pleasant, could be extremely high scoring. I mean, Mike Evans at that point, in a, a wide receiver heavy year, it's really pretty silly. I mean, I'm going to be the first person to tell you that Baker Mayfield can go out in any given game and throw 15 passes into the line of scrimmage, but Mike Evans at that price is still pretty ridiculous. Yeah, incredibly. And and I agree with you that we, we feel very comfortable that um, weather's going to be no issue in Tampa Bay, uh, at least relative to obviously outdoor stadiums in the North of the United States. So that is, an easy move. We're heading towards our eighth round pick here, Sean. We're losing the wide receiver window quickly. You have Elijah Moore at the top of our queue. I have been unable to really place feelings on him, but he does make it to us. I do like to get a sixth receiver before the wide receiver window really slams shut. He's a guy, if you take a longer view, you look at his production profile in college, you look at that rookie season, you, you can write off year two a little bit if you're willing to include the the, the prospect production, that, which is something that we talk about doing. Yes, and if you're okay here, I'm going to go ahead and click. Will that work? Yep. Okay, so we take more. I recently have a piece up on him at Rotoviz. Anybody who wants to get more of my feelings on it, there's a more of a deep dive there. But Ben, just kind of going back through and actually researching JSN, it jumped out to me how crazy Elijah Moore's yards per route numbers were in his final season, which again was done at a very young age. And then you look at his rookie season, and it's just kind of funny because I've obviously been down on Amari Cooper, and that was incorrect last season. But I think that now that he's even more expensive and you have some other ways to play it, he's got maybe some more target competition. I again find myself somewhat skeptical. So I'm prepared to be wrong on that. But when you compare more to Cooper two years ago, when you got a 21-year-old rookie and a 27-year-old sort of peak wide receiver, and one of them playing with the Jets, the other one playing with Dak Prescott. Yeah, 
Cooper got a lot more routes, and that matters because you've got to do it on more volume. But their yard per route numbers are kind of across the board, except for yards per target. But the other elements of the peripherals actually favor the 21-year-old rookie and more. You have the terrible season last year, but that is factored in in a meaningful way. I mean, he's still not super cheap, but in a meaningful way to his ADP, I like getting him as kind of the last guy in that wide receiver window that you mentioned. Yeah, I can definitely get on board with that. Like you you just went back into his prospect profile and this is a, the point I want to drive home. I think the market, and we've talked about this on the show a ton, too heavily weighs only the NFL production. Once we get some NFL sample, the, the college stuff still happened. It's still football games. He was playing in the SEC. Obviously, it's not the NFL, but it gets way too out of out of mind, out of sight, out of mind by the market. And, and he was very good at a young age, as you said, for three seasons in college, drew volume, and then as a rookie. And then last year, it was a crazy, weird season that things didn't go well. We're back on the clock here in the ninth. We're at a 2-6 build right now, two running backs, six receivers. We're starting to enter into the, the running back window. You have Javante Williams at the top of the queue as our target. I've been a little worried about his health. Uh, haven't been snapping him up a ton, but I do like we 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 should take him, Sean. You're uh, you're moving him out of that spot. If you want him, let's go for it because we do have uh, Jerry Judy as well. So a little correlated bet on the Denver offense, and he comes at a pretty significant discount. So one of the things that is at least mildly fun in this draft, and we had to do JSN early to make that part work, but otherwise we've been getting some good values. Brees Hall comes in right around where he normally goes there in round three, but then you get Mike Evans around below ADP. You get Deontay Johnson right around the price, but you get Elijah Moore three or four picks below. You get Jerry Judy, who's rising at about his price, and then we get Javante Williams at a nine-pick discount there. The reason I kind of flipped it at the end, and for those of you listening you can't see, James Cook was the other name that I had moved above him. Cook was also below ADP there. And there's a possibility that we could go Cook and then come back with P. Ryan. Again, it's one of the elements here where with the short clock, you don't necessarily have time to discuss all of that nuance. But that's kind of what I was thinking. If it works out that we could have gone Cook, P. Ryan, would that have been your preference? That would be interesting. I don't know if it would have been my preference. I like P. Ryan more in more zero RB builds. When we have Bijan and Brees anchoring, I'm not really as concerned about the early season points. I like Javante on this build, particularly as the RB3. Now we have the potential for, I mean, three guys that could be the top score, top three scoring running backs during the fantasy playoffs. That's the bull case for Javante is that, yeah, you might not get a lot of production early, but he has the talent. He was productive enough. And if he comes back healthy enough, you're talking about the potential for him to be an absolute superstar down the stretch and be one of those guys that's in the discussion next year as a first round running back again, because he's at that age that he could, you know, vault right back up to that if, if he plays healthy enough this year. So now, I mean, not needing to rely on him for the early season points, really like having him in this build. Cook's still on the board as we get back. You just added Pat Fryermuth to our queue. We're in the 10th round. He would be eight picks behind ADP as our tight end one. He's the last tight end that I really like the upside for. We already have a little bit of Pittsburgh, Seattle love with running back still being something we can maybe hit down the line. I think I would lean firing. I know you really like cook though, as a potential RB4 here. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, his upside is so extreme. I've kind of been moving Fryermuth and the Steelers guys down a little bit, just so I don't get too crazy. But this is behind the exposures. But as you mentioned, this is going to be far below 
ADP. It's, I mean, it's hard to, to pass on Cook at such a crazy value. I know. And yet, I mean, this sets us up to have that Steelers Seahawks right. game shootout. And it also creates a little bit more protection. I mean, you and I, I think, Ben, are both pretty high on Kenny Pickett, but you want to be high in a way that when you're right, you actually win and gain something from it and you want to try and set up your teams to where you're not constantly sort of spiraling yourself upward on the price and on the exposures so i've been trying to to be careful with the way that i approach the steelers and yet i mean that's a great price there we're also protecting the kenny pickett price he's not going to be as appealing to other drafters late at least for sort of a reach above adp and his actual price is very easy to pay you're just hoping that no one takes him several rounds early right do you want to star him real quick because I, I the part of the reason i like the fire move thing was we would be able to throw pickett into our queue and help our zero our, our zero qb late round qb build as well i think he makes a lot of sense now that we have both pieces in pittsburgh game but yeah you just start gino he's also there i feel like we're getting a lot of values behind adp in this room this is a fun room gino i would have expected to be off and in most of my slow drafts the qbs don't usually tend to slip like this yeah having having jsn and two bring backs in that game the other one is uh the new orleans tampa game we have both sides of i don't really love playing Derek carr but he sometimes falls way behind adp so he can be a viable pick uh, and then we also have now multiple pieces of Denver. And so Russell Wilson becomes, we have a lot of outs is what I'm getting at in terms of building out these stacks. Maybe we didn't need to, to prioritize Pickett. I'm hoping, and we've seen a lot of running backs go here. I'm hoping I, you know, that was an interesting decision, that James Cook frying with decision. I'm still kind of laboring over it. We are back on the clock, Sean. We do have three really strong running backs. You have Kendry Miller as the top name on the board. Rondell Moore is the top available receiver. I've taken a lot of Rondell, honestly, just looking at the available uh, targets there. Do you want to go Dulcich? I just saw you start him as well and keep building out Denver. We can take Kendra. I, I, I take a lot of Kendra as well. So I went ahead and uh, with your last note there, kind of vaulted Dulcich up because we are in a position where both he and Miller have ADPs that will put us exactly at our next pick. And so potentially taking the player who is more important to building out some of those game stacks is the way to go here. I mean, I have a lot of Dulcich, and so I'm definitely trying not to take him above ADP. But after getting a lot of values, we did hit a spot that was pretty flat. Yeah, that was tricky. The only one that was even really close was the Rondell Moore pick if we wanted to get our wide receiver seven already at that point. Um, I'm fine leaving that open to potential back stacks. You just starred Tyquan Thornton, who is a guy I've taken a ton of, and I've taken him, and I know you have as well, taking him, uh, you and Pete took him way above ADP. I've taken him like 20, 20 picks ahead of ADP. I have been loving the Mac Jones, Thornton, Gesicki, Hunter Henry combinations that you can make at the end. New England, really tough schedule uh, in the fancy playoffs, as Pete Overzet pointed out to me. But like still, the, the prices you have to pay there to get a little stack element. And often, you know, you have some Buffalo exposure. Maybe you have James Cook or Damian Harris, or you got a Gabe Davis on that build. Uh, even Dawson Knox is another guy that can build out that game. It's such an easy way to play late stacks. Kendrick Miller does make it back, Sean, but so does Russell Wilson. 
behind ADP and we have all these Denver pieces now. I'm fine just going Miller and continuing to push quarterback though because we have multiple options there. And I think that there's a chance that because we have a couple of those quarterbacks somewhat blocked off, again, you want to be aware that your opponents can do anything. They're not (laughs) prohibited from taking your stack pieces. But especially in an environment where I think we're going to get some very inexpensive QBs and where we want to get that fourth back with some upside. Now, Colin Kelly and I have a show coming out uh, sometime in the near future here. We had to record a few early as Colin is going on vacation, but it looks at this sort of reverse engineering your build element. And one of the things that we did find is we do like a lot of the running backs late. So we go through this area of the draft where running back prices are not particularly compelling the running back names are not compelling but then as you get to the end you can fill it out so now that we have easy up to four you know there's really no issue at all we're looking more in that kind of fun group of players in thornton mims and curtis samuel if we wanted to do anything there with another one of our late quarterback favorites and yet i mean i i'm not russell wilson doesn't appeal to me very much ben and yet with the way that we have this put together if we get him, he's a here. no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, and I found myself taking him more than I want to, just with a few different stacks because I have taken some Judy. Um, I've been okay taking some Sutton. I, I think you're probably lower on Sutton, but he's right on that fringe of the end of the wide receiver window where you have to make some decisions about whether the guy is a part of the wide receiver window or not. I can tell myself a little bit of a story on Sutton. We'll save that for another day. But I've gotten into some situations where, and because I'm taking a lot of the Chargers as well, Keenan Allen. Quentin Johnson particularly I have that game kind of built out a little bit but I can't get access to Herbert and so I've thrown Russell Wilson into some of these late round quarterback builds when he's fallen taking a little more of him than I want because I do think there's scenarios with Denver even when you've built it out as much as we have that like Sean Payton we've talked about this on the show Sean Payton they got to make a decision this year Russell Wilson's due at the end of or the, the third or fifth league year day of next year his 2020 five salary becomes guaranteed they will need to cut him before then or be beholden to him not just through 2024 but also 2025 they are currently stuck with him at least through 2024 but i think peyton you read the tea leaves you see some of the things he said in the offseason is maybe setting himself up to actually be moving on from Russ before 2025 which would mean cutting him at the end of the year which would mean some potential bench risk i think in season if he's struggling moving on to i think it's jared stidham right that's backing up and, and I, I, it wouldn't be that surprising to me if the Broncos season, if Russ struggles again, pans out in a way where he gets benched, they kind of move on. Stidham actually makes his offense decent enough because Sean Payton is a good offensive coach that these players can still hit a little bit with a guy like Jarrett Stidham at quarterback, and you don't actually need Russell to, to build up the, the stack. Obviously, the most likely scenario for all of these guys hitting on the same roster, though, is Russell Wilson playing to a decent level in a Sean Payton offense. And he's, Sean, we're back one pick away. We'll be on the clock at 151. His ADP is 132.7. And he made it. I mean, you've not convinced me he's going to get benched, though. Yeah, I know. It was probably not good. Sean, we have to take him. I'm telling you right now. We have Judy Dulcich and Javante Williams, a big bet on Russell Wilson bouncing back, which, like I said, is the most likely scenario for Denver to actually have a good year. It's kind of a post-hype situation. They've been look. They've been sending out uh, videos from Russell's camp that he's lost a bunch of weight. He looks great, Sean. Best best shape he's been in in years. Well, sometimes being forced out of your comfort zone and out of some of the people and processes that you rely on that perhaps 
maybe they're not even negative, but they haven't been helping you in the way that you think that they are. You get this elite coach in there who I, there's always this tug of war, right? Between the player and the coach. A lot of us have been on both sides of that and we know both elements of the dynamic, but in an ideal situation, the coach has information and has a perspective that is very helpful. He may be the guy that pushes him back to being, I don't think a star. I just don't think he has that in him anymore. I don't think that he's that type of player, but you don't need to be a star with the weapons they put around him and the offense that they put around him. He just plays all right. And so, yeah, he can still have spike weeks. He's got enough mobility still, even though he's not going to run as much. He's still, he's still got the ability to hit on, you know, deep balls. He's had deep ball. Frankly, it wasn't as accurate last year, but in the past, he's had strong deep ball accuracy, you know, percentages when he's been at his best. So there are elements to his game that could play and at least have some some spike weeks. I think he put that well. We're not looking at him being a top five quarterback on the full season, but he's a nice bet as part of a late round quarterback build. Sean, we're back on the clock. We have Teclan Thornton at the top of ADP. He has moved past ADP. I mentioned taking him 20 picks ahead of ADP. I know you've taken him even further ahead of ADP than that. I think he's a great option right now as our, our seventh receiver. That's the way I want to go. I want to make sure that you're all right, right with pushing Pickett beyond his yeah, ADP let's do and it. feeling like we have him kind of protected. Yep, we have him kind of protected. That's a gamble I'm definitely willing to make now that we have Russ on board and we can get a good price on Thornton. I mean, that is a really nice seventh receiver. I, I would argue we could close with, with seven receivers now. Our receiver room is Alave, Judy, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Deontay Johnson and Mike Evans, which were a really interesting part of that build. Elijah Moore and Tyquan Thornton. Sean, when we were talking about the veterans earlier in the show, you kind of alluded to this, but it, it's a, it really helps our earlier bets with Judy, who we talked about how he's scaled up each year. 166 yards per run as a rookie, 185 as a sophomore, 2.18 last year, first year over two. Those are the PFF numbers. Um, his, his efficiency has improved each year. He's scaled up in a way that like, yeah, you know, you can make a case that he maybe he's a little bit of a late bloomer, but like he hasn't had great health over the last couple of years. That year four could be his breakout big, you know, boom season. JSN, another clearer, even uh, high ceiling swing with maybe a little bit of a floor issue. And then you add volume, but maybe not the most uh, upside in Deontay Johnson and Mike Evans, kind of aging players, but guys that we know are going to run a lot of routes and have been you know productive players for a long time. I really like that blend in our receiver room. I think it gives us a, a really nice mix of floor and ceiling. Every week, we tacked on uh, Thornton and Elijah Moore as much bigger upside swings late as well. But I think we have like enough projectable targets and those types of things. Obviously, we're not usually thinking through things in terms of projectable volume. But when you look at this build... You know, some people would be worried about like having JSN as their wide receiver three. I really like the the structure of this wide receiver room, and I think we could be done at seven. And it just was so fortunate for us that we got those veterans after making the reach on the rookies. It complements itself very well, as you mentioned. But the other thing I really like about that Tyquan Thornton pick, we were very heavy on Denver, but we're sort of locked out of meaningful or interesting Chargers selections. But I've discussed a lot how I think that the Week 16 games are undervalued in terms of their importance for winning the tournament taekwon thornton is a guy on the other side of that game for yeah. uh, broncos and so that was one of the big reasons too that i was really glad he fell to that point that's a great call yeah the De i noticed that that you got denver new england in week 16 you also have the chargers and bills in week 16 and then those teams 
that foursome matches up in week 17. So when you do the, and Mims goes off the board, Pickett does make it back to a Sean. So I, I would definitely lean that way if you're comfortable with it. Do you, you feel more strongly about that than, I mean, we're in the middle, which gives us a little bit more protection, but I mean, he is going to be below ADP now. Chuba, someone will probably lose if we pass here. I'm okay losing Chuba. I, I like the quarterback here. I, I think it, Makes for a really viable two-quarterback build. I also, as we were talking, we don't have a nice Week 17 bring back on Denver. I like that we do have a Week 17 bring back on Seattle. And so on this roster, now we have a double stack with a bring back. I'm kind of telling myself, okay, when that really important Week 17 hits and we get through to the final, we're playing more through the Pittsburgh double stack with Seattle bring back. And maybe Denver helps us get there in that Week 16 matchup that you talked about. And Pittsburgh helps us in Week 17. You want a game stack. I mean, that's something that's been shown effectively by a number of people. Um, one is our, our buddy Mike Leone, who we mentioned earlier in, uh, in the show. But you want to have those bringbacks. Those are important. Um, we could you know, have a couple of our pieces on Denver still have decent games in Week 17. But because we don't have pieces of that Chargers game coming back, we're probably going to be competing with people if this team gets all the way to the final who have Denver as well, because Denver will have done good things. This team is built through Denver pretty heavily. So it's nice that we have this little unique element to our build where Denver can help us get there, but we can actually kind of root against that game a little bit. Maybe a couple of the pieces do well, but Russ doesn't. Maybe the Chargers don't do well. And now we have the Pittsburgh Seattle game built out. That's a lot of talk about week 17 correlation. It's not probably that massive, but that was sort of my, uh, tiebreaker that I I do like that we now have this other quarterback game stacked up really, really effectively at a, at a discount behind ADP to get Pickett. It was really nice to see him slide back through and break out. Kenny Pickett is going to be the 2020. I mean, Kenny Pickett, Russell Wilson. I think those are probably two of the quarterbacks that got the most, this guy sucks tweets sent their direction last season. What could go wrong with those two as your only quarterbacks? What could go wrong? So there is still a possibility, I think to do, a three QB build. If we get to the end and don't like some of our other options, we did just barely lose Chuba. He goes two picks ahead of our slot. Some of their names we have in the queue at running back chase Brown, Zach Evans. I'll need to move him down a little bit. Travion, Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride, Pierre strong. We've got both of those Minnesota backs. I put Gasicki in because he builds out a little bit more of that new England element of the game and i don't know that our two tight ends and firemuth and dolcich close us out of that then a lot of different ways we can go pick a guy for me here let's do let's do gasicki and that's who you have at the top of the queue i probably would have thought of this as a two tight end build and i i don't think i would go three qbs and three tight ends on this team but in but it's not because our running backs and receivers aren't strong enough and so actually i kind of like that we can build that in because we do have enough firepower at running back and at receiver that we could do a three five seven three fairly easily you're thinking now we could also add mac jones to this because we have taekwon and gasicki and i think that's very very interesting and so kind of to tie this back around to our underdog strategy show that we did one of the things that we discussed was that if you go qb if you go running back wide receiver in the first 10 rounds and you really benefit from the running back prices while you're also managing the wide receiver avalanche and you're getting that receiver room built out, 
then it gives you the ability to take advantage of some late tight ends and it gives you the advantage of being able to select QBs if they're the best player late and not select throwaway players. We want as many guys live as possible in the tournament, and that is more difficult to draft in June than it is in August when you have a lot more information. And so those two things kind of work together in a way that is pretty cool. I think the, the flexibility here is great. If we have running backs that we want to go with the entire rest of the way, we can do that. If we have a receiver who jumps out as a good 18th round pick, we can do that. But if we do want to take Mac Jones or if we even want to go Sam Howell empty at the end, we can do that. And so then it sets us up nicely for our final two picks. Yeah, I'm liking it a lot too. Will you, you have started some running backs and closed out the running back tab, but will you click on the running back tab for me real quick? Is, is Cordero Patterson still there? He's a guy that I like to add. I'm talking about live players. I, I think they're going to use him. Oh, no, we have Bijan Robinson. We can't take him. Sorry. that's I don't, I don't want to take him on a Bijan team. I do think he's somebody who will be, yeah, he's somebody who will be used, I think, a little bit more creatively and actually be a live player. And when I take five running backs, I mean, he's just an easy fifth running back. I do think he's going to have usable weeks and some contingent upside. I think he's going to be, I, I, Sean, I, I'm going to wind up not taking a lot of Algier, I think, this year because I think Patterson's still going to get like five carries a game and Bijan's going to get a lot of work. It's going to squeeze Algier. I just, I don't it makes it, it tough for him. He, his numbers were just extraordinary last year, though. He's a big-time talent. He's one of the top 20 running yeah. backs in the NFL, so it, it just is a huge bummer for him that he's right. landed now in that particular situation. Yeah, he looked great. I mean, he looked incredible. I don't want to be out on him, but it's uh, – I mean, Patterson's an interesting third guy, and, and Arthur Smith's quotes have really backed that up. Maybe it's a little bit of confirmation bias for me, but we are back on the clock, Sean. You have touching at the top of the queue. That's the guy I would go with as well. Um Mac Jones does go off the board before our 17th pick. We were hoping to maybe get him and a running back. I think we just take Ty. Easy pick. After ADP, he's usually he's been rising. He usually goes a lot higher than this. We're at 199. He's his ADP is all the way up to 192. I think it's gonna settle much higher even than that. To get him back around the, you know, he, he used to be able to get him in the 200s, which was which is kind of nice before the Dalvin Cook cut. And I'm going to make the case that once Dwayne McBride is healthy and is out there practicing in training camp and is running free in preseason games, that we're going to get a big McBride push to the point that it does knock Madison even back down as well. But we're not at that point yet. And we know Ty Chandler fits a role in the offense that's going to be there really almost regardless of what McBride does. He gives them the most explosive athleticism. And this is a team that's built around the pass and but you wait, sorry, you think McBride's going to wind up going higher than Chandler? Not necessarily higher than Chandler. I think you're going to get a push okay. on both guys, and you're going to have okay. some moments when he goes early because he's going to look so good. And so that's one of the reasons why I haven't been chasing Alexander Madison. That could obviously be wrong because Alexander Madison is basically the new Joe Mixon to where he doesn't do things well, but he can do them and he can not hurt you. And the flexibility in a big back NFL teams just crave that. You could put it out there and just like, you know, whatever happens, this is going to be fine. I mean, it's not going to help us, but, you know, we can throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. So, you know, maybe it works out and Madison is basically Joe Mixon. If you get Joe Mixon's points, then you're fine. So I think that backfield will be interesting to track, but I'm going to have a lot of Chandler and a lot of McBride over the next 60 days or so. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Sean, we're almost back up on the clock for our final pick. Without really a viable third quarterback, I like going – well, you just hit the QB tab, and Desmond Ritter's still sitting there. 
But we don't have stack options for these guys. I like going with Pierre Strong, who you have at the top of the queue. Another good late running back option right now. We do have some New England bets, even though we didn't get Mac. I still like that that sort of correlated, and we're betting on that offense to be a lot more competent this year now that they have a, a, a more reasonable offensive coordinator than Matt Patricia. Is that where you would prefer to go? I think so. The pick right before us was Travion Williams. If he had been there, it would have been a tough discussion and a tough pick. And that'll do it for the draft portion of our underdog best ball mania for event today. Ben, you and I will be back discussing this draft, what we think went well, if there was anything that we would change. And then uh, we've already recorded it. So we know that we at least had a good time between the two of us chatting, but we actually went in depth on a, quite a few of the player profiles that we drafted and so that part of the discussion was a lot of fun how it fits into the build but then how it fits into how we're thinking about the season there's a lot of great notes from ben both overall and in terms of how some of these guys are fitting into his projections you won't want to miss that so join us on part two of this underdog best ball mania for draft that's gonna finish us up for today i'm sean this has been sign up for stealing signals sign up for stealing lines Join us over at Rotoviz. You guys have been so awesome with the pods, ship chasing, best ball, banana stand, OT, all of that stuff. We love interacting with you. We'll talk to you guys soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.